think about the, um, the road trips you've taken in your life with, with family, with friends. Take a moment and try to call them back to your mind. Uh, immediately, um, a bunch just jump, jump into my head. I remember when I was in college and me and 10 other idiots decided to drive from Chicago to Florida in one go. Um, and I spent every waking moment of that road trip carefully calculating my next flirtation with this girl named Anna, who I was really interested in at the time. Um, I remember just a few years ago, I got to take a, a road trip from Seattle back here to Austin with a, a dear friend of mine, a friend of mine who used to live just a couple houses down the way, a friend who I had dinner with once or twice a week for several years, one of my very best friends, and who at that point I hadn't really talked to in five years or so, and we got to enjoy just three uninterrupted days of that sweet fellowship of conversation and silence. Uh, I remember when Anne and I were driving to Texas to move here for the first time and wondering together how long we could possibly stay in this state that we never wanted to live in. Ten years ago. <laughs> what is it about this, about these road trips um, that are themselves such fertile ground for uh, some of life's most important conversations? To me, I think it's something about the, the posture in which you're sitting, uh, something about being side by side with someone else. You see, being side by side with someone else is a very different posture than being face to face with someone. Being face to face is, there's a lot more pressure in that interaction. Face to face is the posture of, of confrontation, of, of getting things done. When you're face to face, you're there to solve the problem, to address the space between you. Um, face to face is the posture of, you know, passionate intimacy as it is furious fighting. Either way, face-to-face -face is a lot more intense of a space. When you're side-by-side, -side, you are together, but you are together facing a bigger reality than whatever is between you. Being side-by-side -side is the posture of kind of wondering, of non-coerced vulnerability, where there's freedom to explore ideas previously unexplored, uh, permission to wonder about um, moments of history that we haven't had time or space to wonder about before. Think about it, when you're face to face, if there's silence, the silence is awkward. But if you're side by side, silence can have a sweetness to it. There's something about the posture of being side by side that is exactly the right kind of posture for the conversation that these two disciples on the road to Emmaus are having. Talking about all of these things that had just happened. They are exploring that question that is ever present in each of our lives. That question is, what is going on?
What is actually going on? What the heck is going on? What just happened? What, what did the Supreme Court decide this week? What is going on? I, it's hard to keep track. Where was this latest tragedy? What city? What is going on? I think one of the lessons of this story is that in order for us to wrestle with that ever-present question is that we need companions with which we can walk side by side. We need companions for this complicated and confusing journey. We just do. These disciples are trying to answer what has just happened these last couple days in Jerusalem. We just watched all these hundreds, thousands of people march behind this Jesus who they wanted to anoint as their new king, and then we watched a couple days later as they all yelled crucify him and put him to death. Everybody that was on one team was on the, t the other team a second later, and now we're hearing these very confusing rumors that his grave has been robbed, that he's not there. Some people are saying he's been raised from the dead. They're trying to answer the question, what is going on? And they have a companion with which to wonder, with which to process. One is named Cleopas. We don't even know the name of the other one. At the, at the 9 o'clock service, at the children's sermon, we decided the other one's name was Spider-Man. I wonder if you have companions, this kind of side-by-side -side companion. If you keep reading the story, though, it turns out that that's not all we need to answer the question of what is going on. Um, Cleopas and his companion, they have one another, but they also, it turns out, need strangers, at least one stranger. Um, a stranger approaches them on the road and says, can I walk with you? You know, the natural answer to that question is no. No, thank you very much. I'm kind of enjoying this vibe. Me and Cleopas, we kind of, we got a destination in mind. You know, um, the natural answer to that question is no, but had they said no to the stranger that wanted to journey with him, they would have been saying no to Jesus. They would have been saying no to Jesus, they would have been saying no to the person who was going to unfold all of the confusing scriptures to them. And then, of course, they need the Bible. They need the Bible. They need the scriptures. This stranger opens to them the scriptures, starting with Moses and through all of the prophets, and explains to them how these scriptures are all about Jesus of Nazareth. You know, there's like billions and billions of books in the world, and I don't think we often enough count ourselves as fortunate as we are, that we just have the one. Like, we know the one book that's more important than the other books. That happens to be 66 very confusing books tied up together that are very hard to understand. But at least we know where to start. They need to learn the old stories in order to understand what is happening. They need to know what happened back then in order to understand what's happening right now. And last, 
they need a meal. They need to eat together. Particularly, it turns out, they need to invite this stranger into their house. What if I told you, I know with 100% certainty how you can get the answer to every question you have in your life. The answer is just that you have to invite a complete stranger into your home for dinner. How many of us would actually do that? It turns out, though, that there's something magical, something revelatory about sharing this meal with this stranger such that everything becomes unveiled. So that's it. To whatever confusing questions you brought here with you today, that's the answer. Those four things. You need a companion. You need to be open to strangers. You need to learn the old stories of the Bible. And you need to have meals with people that you don't know. Well, let me tell you a secret. We're actually doing all of that right now. That is what we do in church. You know, there is something significant about the fact that you are all sitting side by side to one another, facing this way. Facing the altar, facing the cross. You know, I'm all for like contemporary experiments in architecture, but the churches where you end up facing each other, it, you lose something about the companionship you're meant to experience by being side by side with some people that you consider to be close friends. Some people, you might be such close friends that you married them somewhere along the way. While at the same time, there's plenty of other people in this room who I know are strangers to you. There's people in this room probably who you finally met last week and they finally told you their name and you immediately thought, okay, I'm not going to forget this person's name. I'm not going to forget this person's name. I'm even going to write it down in my little notes app in my phone. And sure enough, you forgot again. And now you're confronted with that haunting reality. Or are, are you going to be brave enough again to ask that person their name again? We actually need strangers. We need people from the outside of our world who can, who can complicate the assumptions that we operate within in our everyday lives. We need companions and we need strangers. And every week in this room, we open up the scriptures, starting with Moses all the way through the prophets. And hopefully in the sermon, you get a preacher that tries to help you understand how they're all about Jesus. And then of course we eat together. We break bread together. And in breaking bread together, we week after week come close to Jesus. So, you know, pat yourself on the back. You did it already today. You showed up to church. But of course, what we do in here is also instructive, analogous for what you have the opportunity to do outside of those doors, to find companions to walk with. And literally just to walk with. I mean, is there a better way to process life than to go on a walk with somebody? Is there a better way to, to maintain your own marriage than by walking together regularly? I can't think of one, probably. And by in your relationships, to be open to surprise, to be open to strangers, you ought to be asking yourself 
a question, am I ever putting myself in places in the world where I could actually meet somebody who is strange to me? Am I opening the Bible? Am I opening my ears to the old stories? Are there ever meals that I eat with people that I genuinely don't know? See, the problem is not that we lack the answers often. The problem is that we lack the courage to enact them. It's right there. You want to meet the resurrected Jesus? It's right there. I'm not saying this at you, I'm saying this with you. I lack the courage with you. But let us, you know, read this story and be inspired together, be humbled and emboldened together to find companions, to be open to strangers, to read the Bible and to, to eat together. At the very least, let's, let's keep doing it right now. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing our baptism hymn together. Candidate for holy baptism will now be presented. I present for to receive the sacrament of baptism. Will you be responsible for seeing that the child you present is brought up in the Christian faith and life? I will Will you, by your prayers and witness, help this child to grow into the full stature of Christ? Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your savior? Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? Do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? All right, this question's for you all, are you ready? All right, good. Will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support this person in their life in Christ? We will. 
and let us join with those who are committing themselves to Christ and renew our own baptismal covenant. Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? Yes. 